Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. It's been a while since both Alex and I are on the show, and we are on the show together again today. Unfortunately for you, that means we had an argument about pickleball for the first 10 minutes, but we also talk about the earth and caring for the earth and what's that mean for humanity and God as our father and how does God care for both us and the planet and all these sorts of things. And we talked about missions a little bit. So it's a little bit of a a meandering conversation, but miraculously by God's kindness, he seemed to draw it together at the end of the episode. So without any further ado, let's dive into pickleball, missions, creation, and God's heart for the world. Welcome, everybody. Yes. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the to podcast. Welcome to the Red Couch Pickleball And we are back. We're back we're together. Back together. <laughs> we're back together and we're fighting. Yes. <laughs> but first, we should say that Jessica was a delight to have. Um, yes. And uh, she uh, yeah, oh. was a wonderful conversation partner. But we are lost in the middle of an argument that has been caused by Brett, our friend uh, of the podcast. Um, yes. A community member at South. Yeah. So... <laughs> So Brett is we, a person yeah. who's played. This might cause church split. It actually. might actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, so Brett has remarkably well, he's played disc golf with you. Yes, Brett, and, and he's I a tennis player, by the way. Actually, were involved. What? <laughs> he must have lost. His, he must have lost his speed. <laughs> <laughs> he's a tennis player, yeah. so he can he's speak getting, to both. He's getting up in there, there in years. He's getting tired. Oh come on! <laughs> he's way more athletic than both of you and I combined. Oh, totally, yeah. So Brett, Brett and I were actually both involved in soccer in the same small town in Michigan, bizarrely. Oh god! So I coached a team he used to play for. Yeah. Um, but he played, I think, before I coached the team. Um, so anyway, Brett threw in a question to us that we're going to deal with now. It came up last week, but we, we, yeah. Yeah. It was too theological last week. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> hello. If you thought you tuned into a theology podcast, oh, contraire. We'll get, we'll get to Usually theology. the beginning of our episode is like, we have to wrap up whatever conversation we started before the yes. episode and then we get it. Yeah. So, uh, there might be theology towards the end of this episode. We'll see. Uh, he said, you know, he gave us some context. He played disc golf with me. He used to coach soccer at the same place that Alex coached soccer in Michigan. But mm-hmm. then he said, I heard you both diss pickleball. Which a month is or unfair so ago. because I dissed pickleball. And I probably played along because I'd never played at the time. So I had no oh, yeah, context. Okay. Yeah. Um, forgive me if that's wrong, but I just wanted to say doubles pickleball is completely different than singles. Uh, very different. Also, out to say that genuinely enjoy singles tennis, mm. but I think singles pickleball is even more fun. It's a tough sport; can't knock it till you try it. Perhaps pickleball truly just needs a little uh, rebrand or a strange name like Battleship Ball. <laughs> that, that yes, pickleball was a mistake if you were trying to catch the, you know, the, the, the so-called cool So guy. Alex and I were having, like, we were almost ready to start mm-hmm. brawling mm-hmm. Um, over this. I have such little experience. I played pickleball once yeah. while I was on vacation last week. Yeah, which, I mean, speaks to the laziness of your vacation, if anything. Wow. <laughs> huh. All right, all right, see? So uh, you now know where we stand. Alex says, I don't play pickleball because I'm capable of playing tennis. <laughs> wow. But my, I, so I, my case is that Brett plays both and he prefers pickleball. He didn't say it's, he said it's a tough sport uh-huh. and he said it's more fun than tennis. Yeah. So he didn't say it's harder uh-huh. than tennis. Yeah. But having played, um, just like any sport, you can, like, if you're brand new at tennis, it's like these dink lob balls. It's not that hard compared to, you know, when you're really good. When you're really good, it's exceptionally difficult. Yeah. And I think the same thing's so, true with so pickleball. I think the, re- the, the, this is what I feel. And, and again, I'm, I'm not, I've not played pickleball and I probably should. So, and I've, as a group, I meant to, you know, go along to that group and play. This is my feeling. He has a group? Yeah. How did I miss Monday, this? Monday morning pickleball group. Oh, man. You should go. I'm going to go. I don't Brett. know if it's still going. I'll um, go. 
This is like the, I'm a rock star. I've Brett played for 30 has minutes. Now been mentioned more times on this podcast than any other person ever, <laughs> other than Jesus and Paul. Well, it's um, fitting. It's fine. Yeah. He's so, a good guy. so anyway, like I, I, my feeling is this. Um, I think that what makes tennis difficult with amateurs is it's pretty. It's pretty. It's a difficult control sport. So what you get is a lot of overhits, a lot of wild hits because the ball moves so much faster than pickleball, and it does move a lot faster than pickleball i don't know where some articles i've got and, and like that that's even in i just read a, a pickleball article from a pickleball website that said tennis balls move a lot faster but the slower speed of the pickleball uh, is like made up for by the size of the court and the low lowness of the net yes so but what but what it means as an amateur is this even when you hit it hard it actually stays in the court Whereas with the tennis ball, if you hit it hard, no, that's it so not true. Goes miles over. No, it's got to be true. It's the exact same thing. It can't be. I couldn't get it to stay in the court half the time when I like first started. Six foot four and like no, so hit it a billion miles an hour. Well, I, the the landing zone is so much smaller. Well, of course it is. Yeah, and so like it's not even just the entire court. You have to be landing in one third of the court for mm. serves, for example. So you. And then so you have to hit it exceptionally hard when you're at the back yeah. and then barely touch it when you're at the front. But, but and most I mean, of the like games played at the front. Like the design of a tennis ball and a tennis uh, racket, like the amount of spin that you'll be able to place on the ball, all of those different elements to it. Like that's just not true. I just feel like right. it's similar to table tennis. It's like well, no, table tennis has sticky paddles. That's the whole point. Like the stickier the paddle, the more spin that you can get in it. So if you hold a professionals table tennis paddle is very different to the one you pick up in like i don't know outside shake shack in their outdoor table that's basically just a piece of wood that's what i hear that's the sound i hear when i hear a pickleball paddle yeah it's got almost no padding whatsoever yeah um and it's not there is spin in, involved but it's not maybe i don't know I, i'm brand new rookie it's yeah. pre, maybe not quite as high of a variable on the other two sports as um we're well, just not going to get the traction to be able to spin it to the same degree as those two sports. maybe i don't know um there's a whole underworld of paddle purchasing and all that I'm stuff sure even in so the question is your your statement is like a pathetic sport no i'm not that's not what i'm saying i said it's not tennis and i said my suspicion is it was designed to <laughs> make tennis more accessible <laughs> and i think it i think so maybe and, 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 so, and, and I, my so my father-in-law sent me, so okay. my father-in-law plays, um, I don't know if I can show this. I probably get like some sort of copyright strike. Uh, my father-in-law sent me uh, this video while trying to convince me to come play pickleball with him. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. I love that we're getting introduced to your like family banter here. That's right. There's, what, what, what are we 10 minutes in and we're not even got past pickleball. This is incredible. Um, yeah, let's see if I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is worth mm -hmm. doing, but, um, yeah, 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 why not? we're going to go to, oh, are we actually live? We, I think so. We should double check. <laughs> are we live? We're on. Yeah, we're on the air. Come on now. Why, why do you doubt me? <laughs> because I'm so committed to this that I'm going to run all this technology oh, stuff in order for me to be able to show you this silly little clip and you're not even going to be able to hear it. Um, what the, they can't hear it. Well, they can't hear it. You just can't hear it. Oh, it's not going to work. Tennis, but actually fun. Hmm. I don't know the rules. Of either does anyone else. How many clothes do I wear? <laughs> Literally, what you're wearing right now. I don't have shoes. You don't even need shoes. You can play barefoot. I don't have a paddle. Oh, the players at the court will lend you their equipment. Random strangers will just. Give me a paddle at the courts? Yeah, for sure. People will have extra paddles. They'll probably honestly just like give you a paddle permanently. What about lessons? Do I need lessons? Anyway. No, no the instructors don't even know what they're doing. But the, the instructors don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So let me get this straight. I don't need to know. Okay, so the, this is my final question so, on the This is my this is my this is my like just processing for myself. Okay. okay. I'm willing to try pickleball. Brett, you and I should go play pickleball. I'd love to. <laughs> I think he's scared because he's just not going to be good I'm at scared? it. Yeah. No, well, I think you're just not going to be good at it, and I, then you're too might, competitive. That may well be true. I've handled not being good at stuff before. That's fine. So, so 
here's my question. It seems to me, and, and this isn't like critiquing like the athleticism of age or all those different things. Some people get older and are way more athletic than I am. We're all going to decline athletically beyond about the age, sadly, you and I are now. Like we're in the, the great decline of like athleticism. It seems that pickleball has, by nature, attracted a large number of people that have hit the age where athletics for everybody declines. Tennis has been around for a few hundred years. What is it about pickleball that has been attractive to those people that tennis didn't already provide? If it's not that it's maybe slower, maybe whatever. Like, what's the, that's the I'm intrigued. I'd love to know. I, I just think, I think you need to put it out of the comparison between tennis and but pickleball. It clearly is such a similar sport. And put it into the comparison between table tennis okay. and pickleball. Well, why, wouldn't they, why wouldn't they play table tennis? But see, you, you have an older demographic that can be exceptionally good at table tennis because there's just less ground to cover. So fair enough. But it's just more fun. Anyway. So fancy. It feels like in that moment you just conceded the argument. There's less ground to cover, therefore it's easier. It may be less physically demanding, yes. I think that's just what I said. Yeah, um, so you may you you may not um, burn as many calories, let's say. Okay. Okay, well, fair enough. But your reaction like time still has to be this, not I need to go and under video. I'm going to go video second. myself playing playing pickleball, and then we can show it on here. I love the line of that that like that little clip that he sent me though. It's like, yeah, it's like tennis, but actually fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry. Well, it is 11 minutes in, and all we've talked about is pickleball. Um, this is, oh man, we're going to have an outcry. People are going to be begging for Jessica back. <laughs> they really <laughs> like, are. Yeah, they're, they're like, this podcast about theology was actually about theology on yes. occasion. Or about literature, which we also yeah. really care about. Yeah. Anyway, this two weeks it's ago. It's good to be back Brian together Brian though. Prejudice. It is good to see you. Uh, we should probably dive straight well. into some other things though. As well. Oh my goodness. Seriously. Yeah. And then the week after we are both at a wedding. All right, so if you haven't tuned out, let's cover some announcement stuff quickly. Yeah. Um, that way we get it in before they completely ditch us. We should have. If they haven't ditched a really us yet. exciting announcement right at the start. We should have. Can we um, cut this 11 minutes off oh the Oh, man, maybe. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> and, Can and we put it and the, the reality is, the, the reality is uh, the blame has to come to me. Because the episodes worked fine with you and <laughs> with you and Jessica. Oh, I guess and me and Jessica. But it's the combination, it's the combination of, oh, no, it's the combination. What we should do is we should take that first 10 minutes and just put <laughs> it to the end as like a cut scene or whatever. Um, yeah. Okay. You're so like, starting now, what's the exciting announcement? Well, we're going to be doing a live show. Which is really exciting, right? Uh, we heard from one of you that was excited. <laughs> and therefore, it's going down. <laughs> the one person that listens live every week is like, we'd love it if you did a live show. So uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit more accessible for some of you because it's going to be September 11th mm -hmm. in 6510 in the evening yep. with the coffee shop open. Yep. I've booked it all and I everything. Love it. So if you would like to get hyped up on caffeine way too late in the day and listen to two idiots talk about pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> this is the show for you we promise we will not mention pickleball at the live show i don't think i can make that promise you don't what happens we don't know where these shows go are you kidding me okay fine we we hope to not mention pickleball yes on the live we show. actually our goal would be it, that it's a much more interactive show yeah i wonder what would actually get more of an audience you and i playing pickleball and inviting a crowd <laughs> or doing a podcast about the yeah you could vote like if you say give us a thumbs up if you would rather just watch Alex and I play pickleball against each other oh. than have the live show. No, we're having a live show on uh, September 11th. Mark your calendars, 630 mm -hmm. to 8. Mm -hmm. So it's a little longer show because yep. we're going to try and field some more questions and that sort of thing, plus cover the sermon that week. Absolutely. Uh, should be fun. Yeah, and it'll be right in the midst of a new series that we're doing on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' biggest chunk of teaching. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be fun to unpack. I'm excited. Yeah. And w w why don't we try and pretend like we're a serious podcast and answer our th more theologically-ish question right up front so that that poor person doesn't have to um, wait 
an extra week or something. Mm -hmm. So, and this is semi, I don't know if this was related to your message or not. Let me see here. Oh, can you comment on the purpose of missions? Mm. So this is more someone observing us over the last several weeks. Missions, global missions has been highlighted multiple Mm -hmm. times. And so it blipped on their radar a little bit. And they said, what's the purpose of missions? Oftentimes it seems to be used as virtual tourism, building things. Virtuous. Or virtuous, sorry. Yeah, virtuous tourism. Building things in impoverished countries uh, seems backward because wouldn't it be better to enable those people to source jobs and build it themselves? Yes. Yeah, a great. So, so actually, this I think is is partly out of yeah the last few weeks talking about our mission partners, but specifically this week at South, we were talking about the the student Guatemala trip that went out to Village of Hope. Yep. Um, and so I think there there is a risk to short term mission. Let me let let's clarify that. There's been. For for centuries, people that have gone on more long-term mission, you know, William Carey, sometimes called the father of modern mission. I, I wrote a thesis on him uh, when I was uh, doing a degree, and he went for 40 years. So he spent, of his 70 years, 40 of it was spent in India, uh, helping shape that country. He trained natives, he developed the language, he, I mean, moved Christianity there forward, and, and, and the, the nation was a better place because of him. Uh, and yeah. so we have lots of long-term partners, all of whom we try and support because we see them contributing to the health of a nation and bringing the kingdom of God with them, right? Yeah. So, so, I mean, we have some some perspective there. Um, short-term mission has been this complicated thing because we've all, I think, most of us have been around church for a while, have seen it done really badly. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the teams that are like, you know, we're here to save Haiti, or like, you know, we're here to fix the problems of this country. Like, you know, we're going to come. Everything's going to be better because of us. And and that's not even like, you don't even have to go to a different country to co- go with that bad attitude. I think I've maybe even shared on this podcast before when I used to work in central Detroit in some of the, the more deprived areas there. We worked with some great organizations, but some of the churches that went came with that kind of attitude. And, and one year... Um, they walked around the neighborhood just saying to people, what can we do for you? What can we fix? Yeah. And a guy came out of his building and said, can you put a roof on my building? Um, And they said, yeah, we'll pay for a roof. And when they got back to Central, uh, to to the organization we worked with, uh, the lady that ran it, Lisa, said, yeah, that guy's a loan shark. We've been trying to get him out of this community for years. He's a cancer in this community. Now he'll stay longer because of what you've done. Um. So, so mission can be done in this really problematic way. Yes. Um, and having grown up in the mission field, um, and there, there's uh, been a ton of research in what the, the theological term is called mm-hmm. missiology, mm-hmm. Um, and missiology throughout the generations. And I think the church has gotten better and better at figuring out healthier ways to do that. And I'm saying the church globally. Yeah. And not every church uh, has has learned from all those things. But yeah, like Rwanda was where my parents served. And mm-hmm. there was things that my dad regrets about the first 16 years of wow. his ministry. Yeah. But um, so so what's the point of missions is a, such a broad question. So maybe specifically like you you specified a little bit more helpfully to say what so long term the benefits are similar to the benefits that you would find in planting a church and yeah. building long-term relationships in a community and trying to advocate for the way of Jesus, just like here in America. Mm-hmm. You just start doing it in another country that has fewer churches and fewer access. Totally. So my guess is that's not their question. No, 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 yeah. So what, why would South engage in short-term um, is maybe a different question. And I Maybe if you weren't there the week that um, we introduced or prayed over this team, one of the things I mentioned in passing is one of the biggest benefits to this trip is the transformation of the team. So, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of variables at play. One of the reasons why South partners with a established um, locally run organization that's long-term that has relationships is they can actually broker those relationships, make sure that it's sustainable they're mm-hmm. going to be there to carry the mantle mm-hmm. long term. That prevents us from just showing mm-hmm. up, doing something like this. Your Detroit yeah, example, yeah. they know who to help, who not mm-hmm. to help. 
And a lot of the goal is to encourage and to see God at work in another country yeah, yeah. for the team. Yeah. And then um, I worked at a mission agency after Bible college. And one of the things we found consistently is long-term missionaries, an astronomically high percentage of them. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's uppers of 80% of long-term missionaries went on short-term when they were younger. It uh, is a catalytic yeah. decision that to go short-term to then yeah. eventually end up long-term because you see God differently. You're transformed your heart for the world, your perspective mm -hmm. on God's world. All of those things are transformed. And so in some sense, short-term is a long game endeavor for mm -hmm. us as a community to expose our community to the rest of the world. Yeah. And then um, hopefully that is catalytic. Yeah. And so, so we, I, I mean, for us, we always had, um, I, cause similar to you, I didn't grow up on the mission field. I, had yeah, you a, did. You grew up in England. <laughs> I love it. I live on the mission field now. I I had a um a, a job for a while in the church where my job was to lead short term overseas mission trips a, a chunk of the time. Um, so, so we would one look for repeat relationships. Yeah, because we recognised that the isolation felt by both long term missionaries in the country. And by the Christians in those countries, especially developing countries, uh, the isolation was actually something that we could help mitigate. Like there was a longing for relationship. So there was an excitement when our teams would come because of the relationship and even just the sense that, no, we're cared about. So, yeah. so when I would go to the Philippines, we had a bunch of churches, the organization I was, I was with, I planted in the Philippines. Those are still going to them, we would drop around every church that had been planted and every church would just suddenly decide that week, oh yeah, this is our anniversary. Um, like it was always convenient. Didn't matter which week the team went out. It was always like, oh yeah, this is our anniversary week. Um, because they knew that the organization would do like a service for them and it would be a celebration and all those different things. Yeah. Um, and so they just were so excited to hear somebody was coming. Uh, it was a big deal for them, a longing for them. Um, to this specific point, we would then have this category of like a good trip was a trip where we left something valuable, like a building or a, yeah, something that, that had been created, but a better trip was one where we trained local people, how to be able to do those things for themselves. So we got to this point where we would always say like, well, how can we train or offer the possibility that this can be different? So, so that might've been yes, a specific training around like leadership or starting a business or managing a business uh, or e even in an ideal world, like the real practical skills of like carpentry or, you know, plumbing or, what, or whatever. Yeah. But, but then also like micro loans and the ability to like have the seed money to start something that you've dreamed about starting. Yeah. So I remember one one year in Haiti, we uh, the organization we we were there lent through a microloan system, and a microloan system is basically it's the local church's money. They give out small amounts to people that want to start a business. Then the payback on these loans is like ninety seven percent, which is way higher than business loans in the U.S. because they know it's from the community. Yeah. And the 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 loan we gave out for thirty five dollars was to a lady whose business model was. I want to go to the baker early in the morning and buy X number of loaves of bread for X number of cents a loaf. And I want to go and sell it on the streets for X number of cents more per loaf to people in the area. That was her business model. I mean, it's like the most humble business model in the world. Yeah. But she just didn't have the capital to begin doing that, to invest in it. She was such a, you know, she was day to day surviving. Uh, and so the delight on her face that she got to start her business and started to be able to work in the world around her to, you know, to yeah. provide for people was incredible. Um, so I think broadly, I agree like that. There's a danger that they become just tourism. Yeah. But the loss of not doing them, I think both for the, the people that are there, but also for the people that go, as you said, that transformation. Yeah. And this isn't, huge. this isn't actually just a global missions issue. This is a local missions issue. Yeah, totally. Our food bank considers how do we engage with people locally so that we're, um, so one, that we honor them mm -hmm. and help uh, extend dignity towards them so they don't feel 
like it's this this handout and there's shame yeah. involved and they go to great lengths to make sure people um are feel that way and then when we do like our christmas market for the food bank it, they actually pay for the product it's like a it's like little steps of trying to be intentional about this. So if you're looking for some book resources on the subject of missiology and how to engage in healthy ways in short term, When Helping Hurts is a great yeah, book. Yeah, great book. Um, and then Slow Kingdom Coming is a great book. Um, the Big Truck That Went By about Haiti specifically is a fascinating book just to wrestle with some of the, the danger of mission or some of the, the ways it's been abused. Yeah, um, and then... Um, we have a program that we run here every once in a while. I, I'm sure that I actually think there's one coming up. Um, what's Redemptive it called? Compassion. Yeah, Redemptive Compassion. Yeah. And there's a lot of similar principles mm -hmm. that we're considering when we consider long-term or short-term trips. Um, this particular short-term trip went to, and I think it's it's massively healed or prevented from error, the fact that we partner with long-term mm -hmm. missionaries long -term. who have deep relationships, who have investments, we invest in them. They broker the relationship mm -hmm. between our teams and them. And they can actually say, yeah, we're going to do this activity because it's genuinely helpful yeah. to the community. And they have, they know the language, they know the culture, they know the relationships to actually confirm that that's the case. And we're not going to do these activities because even though they may sound fun to the team, mm -hmm. Um, it really doesn't move the ball down the field yeah. for our team. So anyway, and, and ide ideally, like the long-term people that we we support are training up local people to one day leave organizations that are run by local people, which yeah. is what Village of Hope has done. It's it's in Guatemala. They have a house parent system, so they're all in one village. But all of the house parents that are raising up kids that are, that have been orphaned or, or are vulnerable, um, they are Guatemalans. Yeah. Um, and, and, and a friend of mine, Lars, started a community uh, that's very similar in Romania called Camino Felix. He was a Swede living there as a missionary. He began Camino Felix with him and his wife. They found two kids living on the streets, took them home, had them live with them. And they stood up in front of their church and said, but this isn't a Swedish problem. This is a Romanian problem. Who will partner with us in doing this? And my friend uh, Mircea stood up that that first week at 24 years old with his wife and said, we'll do that. And wow. now has 26 kids that have become his kids in this type of community. Wow. So I think there's this beauty to doing this. I will say like, because this helps us segue, I think, to, to the subject from this week. Did you guys have that really powerful commercial or, or advertisement? In England, it was for an organization called Oxfam that was based around like, give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. Yeah. Teach him to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, That's definitely not a, a coined by a commercial, but yes. It's probably, well, it must have come from somewhere. Who coined it? I don't know. Yeah, I think um, that's a pretty famous quote yeah. from someone. Yeah. So, so regardless, it is a great quote as well. It is great Because I think with, with organizations, you are trying to do something like that. Um, you're, you're trying to say, how can we partner with you sharing the resources we have not to fix the country, but uh, to, was it Lao Tzu? Wow. Huh. There you go. So it's a lot older than Oxfam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Lao Tzu has a lot of great sayings. So another, another one to chalk up to the guy with great sayings. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, so, so yeah, we're always trying to do something like that, trying to provide people from our resources this ability to be self-sustaining. And yet at the same time, if you know developing nations at all, there is a, a success rate to that that is not maybe as high as we might believe. Even our own, we, I mean, we know our own business. What's the, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? What's the failure rate for businesses in the US at the moment? It's like, I know for restaurants in New York, it's 80% in the first year. I think year. it's like some, it's over 50% or around 50-ish. So yeah, New York, 50 to 60%. New York, 80% of restaurants fail in the first year. Yeah. So like, where, where which you, you were, I think the comedy of it, which I didn't even get to mention to you, you said some other statistic about like, um, something like 40% of business, like entrepreneurs regret. Yeah. 47%. I was of like, that means 10% of them had a failed business and they don't regret it. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I, wow. think, I think it was actually like, I think the statistic was actually about people whose businesses had run for five years. So okay. they were currently in business. Still. But okay. regardless, Carry on. <laughs> um, th there is a failure rate to self-supporting things in developing nations. 
that requires continued, not necessarily presence, but continued support. So a great example of this would be Philippines, same organization. The year before I was out there with a group, the organization had given the church a fishing boat. Um, and the theory was that they would give it to five people that came to the church. That would feed five families and those five families tithing to the church that they were committed to and a part of would pay half a pastor's salary in the church. So in the organization's mind, it was both like furthering the gospel in the little village that we're in and feeding five families, which is a big deal to be able to feed five families in a small village and an island in the Philippines. Yeah. So they got the boat and they went out and all the fish disappeared. Like no one understands why. Suddenly the fish that had been there are now not there anymore. The next year, the fish came back, but they were now smaller fish than had been there before, and the nets were too big for the fish that they were now trying to catch. They just swam through the holes. So, like, you meet, you, you go to some of these countries, and you're like, oh, my goodness, like, is this ever going to work? Like, it's like failure, 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 failure. And if your goal is just like, I'm just going to give them some stuff, and that, they'll figure it out. Well, that's not always the case. It's just not that simple. Yeah, there's, a, there's this illustration my dad used, and then maybe we could actually eventually make it to we're Romans. We're going to get there. We're, we're, we're almost there. We're on the cusp of it. We're actually flying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 30 minutes in. We're about to get there. What's the <laughs> no, story? So my dad always uh, would use illustrations when he would teach at college students uh, about missions. He'd say, you know, one of the keys to not damaging a culture is to not go in and say, what are your problems? Mm -hmm. Here's a solution that yeah, might yeah. fix that. You just ask, uh, if you ask a poor person what they need, um, a lot of times they ha they give you a very surprising answer. Yes. Um, so like, for example, he my dad asked a, a Rwandese guy, how, what what do you need um, to succeed? He's like, I really just need a, a hoe. Mm-hmm. And that's going to fix and everything. Some, and some seed. Yeah. That's all I need. Yep. And my, my dad's like, Oh, we. Uh, he was thinking like orphanage. Uh -huh. He's thinking like no, whatever. So, it, because if he has the right tool, he can farm, and he's got the seed, and then uh, that's reproducing, and then he's mm -hmm. like, I can take care of my whole area yeah. and the, with this the one little missiologist thing. Tony Campolo's talked about this for years, right? He talks about inner city Philadelphia, how they would go to the communities and say, "What do you need?" And the young, like primarily black kids on the street, would say, "We need jobs." that pay enough to live. And he said, so we'd start a youth basketball league. And then we'd come back and say, okay, you got the basketball league. Now, what do you need? And they'd say, we need jobs that pay um, enough to live. And they'd say, we're going to open a youth center. Um, and then we'd open the youth center and say, what do you need? And, and it was like the same answer over and over again. No, we need jobs that pay well enough. Like, you know, so the temptation isn't to sell drugs because it pays more or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I think historically, the church has had a, a hard learning curve. But it does tie into this Romans, the back end of Romans. Oh, I love it. Aid idea. Good of, job. Of, of like, of one, is this world worth working in? So the beautiful, and I, and I think I said to you afterwards, like with this Romans passage, I felt like there's these two distinct ideas and I, and I kind of almost regret trying to tackle both of them. But but they are tied in Romans chapter eight, which is what we kind of came back to. That yeah. Yeah, the, give us the, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if we start in verse 12 with Romans chapter 8, it, it says, um, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. It's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This is Paul saying, you know, that there's a transformation that's gradual that comes with following Jesus. It requires work, but it's not earning. Yeah, uh, And then he goes on to paint this picture of what it is to have uh, sonship, um, not to live in fear, but to be able to cry out to a father who loves you. And then this promise of sharing future glory. And then he throws in this idea, if you just scoot down just a little bit, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's talking about individuals now. And then he moves on to talk about whole cre the whole creation. So he ties our experience as followers of Jesus of regularly saying, why is life like this? Why has this happened? Why, 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 why? Or almost like in biblical language, how long, oh Lord? How long until you fix all this yeah. for ourselves individually? And he kind of then pulls back 
on the camera so it goes big wide perspective and he's like well this is the whole creation all of creation does this it groans like why is this the way that the world is so if you've ever looked at a problem like in your own life if you've ever looked at a problem worldwide and said why or how long or just a groan you're in good company because paul says no that that's that's all of us yeah including um, created order yeah yeah yeah, created order yeah so so that that like sense of looking around the world and saying god it shouldn't be this way isn't doesn't mean something's out of whack with you it actually is the right response um the question i think that follows is like is it worth trying to do anything about it yeah or do you just leave it as it is and i think that's been this huge theological tension over centuries of like what what's the purpose of this world what's god's value on this world does he care about this world so so that that like there's this real theological shift in the 20th century yeah that suddenly starts to say, no, no, this whole thing's just going to explode at some point anyway. Uh, yes. We'll get beamed up. There's like a Star Trek moment for followers of Jesus. Yeah. Um, we'll be out the way, and then God will just unleash fire on this thing. Yeah. If it's all going away, let's just save as many souls as we can, and uh-huh. then let's bounce. Let's yeah. get out of this joint. Yeah. Why worry about throwing litter on the floor in a world that's about to be destroyed anyway? Yeah. Uh, why worry about like i don't know building with unsustainable materials and leaving everything a mess yeah and i think i mean obviously i don't think most folks that find themselves in that sort of theological space are consciously saying yeah throwing litter on the floor is good what they're saying is our priority is saving souls yeah, yeah, yeah. um and sometimes you gotta like basically take advantage of the earth mm-hmm. in order to save more human yeah. beings because human beings are the priority. Yes. Yeah, so, fair so, enough. Yeah. Um, but what's wild about the scriptures is they will not let you divorce the two. No. Both so in the Genesis, like the two largest eco- ecology texts in the scriptures in Genesis and in here in Romans, they basically says the earth is going the way of humans. Mm-hmm. Like our, the earth is falling apart because of a human problem. Yeah. Um, and we're inextricably connected to mm-hmm. the earth that, that um, mm-hmm. and even in the Genesis language, it's like you are made of dirt, uh-huh. therefore care for the dirt. Like that's yeah. the kind of concept um, because as the earth thrives, humanity thrives. As so, humanity thrives, the earth thrives. So those those passages, obviously super important from an ecological, eco-theological perspective. Yes. What What sort of passages of people used to say, don't worry about the earth? It's going to be gone soon because there are them, right? I mean, Revelation 21, if you read it a specific way, says, behold, I saw a new heavens and a new earth for the old earth has passed away. Yep. Like, you know, there's a consummation of fire. Everything's burned up. So, so those passages are there. Absolutely. Yep. Of course, the beauty of we've talked multiple times is that scripture, yes, you can read it literally to read it. Literally, you actually have to read it literally as well. Yeah. Um, like literally doesn't mean you just read the words and with no context, take them out because actually what you do then is you place them in your context. Um, yeah. you always have to have a lens. You just use yours. Yep. So like reading it, like a revelation 21 that I just quoted is apocalyptic literature. Well, what does that mean? Like, yeah. What was the text that you quoted? Um, revelation 21. Yeah, all right, so, uh, you made a, a relatively efficient case I did. for the continuation of this earth. Yes. Um, and it was really fast. And if you blinked in the sermon, you might've missed some of it, but can you make that case for us again? So, so my, my case for that in revelation 21 terms is that Paul has a choice in terms of what word he uses in Greek. And it doesn't really come across in English because we use the word new almost uniquely this section here. Yeah. 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 So, so koinos versus yeah yeah so 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 neos would be new like of a type like like new as in in a moment in time so think about like if i magic something out of nowhere that's that's neos if i create something that's never existed before like ex nihilo yeah 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 yeah. Uh, exactly if if i were to use the word kainos 
it has much more of a concept of renewed. So a great parallel passage to look at with with this is um, when Paul said when when Paul says about like I'm making all things new, or he talks about the new man, or he talks about having a new body. Well, what does he mean by that? Does he mean that the old you completely stops existing? And that something new is created that you're detached from? Or does he mean that in some sense your body will be taken? So the passage you're looking for is when he says, um, he says he will give us a resurrection body like his resurrection body, I think. Or, um, Oops. Helps if I spell, spell resurrection correctly. And we might be better off, yeah, um, yeah pulling, we might be better off not, not pulling the yeah. description. Um, but, but again, like this idea of you're a new creation, um, what does he mean by new? Does he mean that you're, yeah. the old you is just, you disappear completely? Or does he mean God takes the old you and renews you? Yeah, does he nuke you? Yeah. And then yeah, start all over. And then start from scratch. Or does he take what was and create, and you see this with when he talks about Jesus' new body, um, yeah, he's recognizable when he wants to be. It's the same. It's resurrected, but it's also new. Um, and so the Greek concept is very comfortable with this idea that well, it is new because it's never seen quite like this before. It's yes. a good way of saying kindness. But it doesn't mean that the old was blown up when it says passed away. It means forgotten, let go of because of this renewed world that we're living in now. So it's if you get overly obsessed with this idea of like there's a destruction of this world, you're probably on the wrong track. Yeah, and and actually at the risk of saying the word new too many times, that perspective is pretty new. Yes, very new. Yeah. <laughs> Theologically it's, it's throughout maybe, history. Maybe 80, 90 years old. Like yeah. John Darby and the Brethren movement, they really sort of created this idea along with the modern idea of the rapture as they would read it which is really just a disappearing again no one really saying those kind of things until about a hundred years ago um so so even and even ethically for a jewish person when we think about like the idea that the world would just be destroyed there's this moment back in genesis in the early parts where god floods the world and then he puts up a rainbow and says, I will never destroy the world again. Now, you might semantically say, well, he said by flood. But it would have been really problematic to a Jewish person to imagine God going, I'll never destroy the world again by flood. But ha ha ha, there's plenty of other ways to destroy the world. Some fire? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next time, uh, you didn't see that coming, did you? That, that ethically is just problematic. Yeah. Like, like the, the, really what they would read God as saying is, I'm not just going to write off the world. Um, like, I'm, I'm, I'm participating with it and will continue yeah, to Yeah, it's, it's almost God's statement of like, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, this is a hot mess. Uh-huh. I'm here. Yeah, I'm and, in and, it. And, and the Jesus story is the extent to which God will go <laughs> yeah, to put totally. it all back He's together. Like, yeah, it's such a hot mess. I'm getting down yeah, there yeah. myself. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, Revel- and, and this is the, one of the huh. hard takes of the Christian faith. This is, what, this is how extreme it is. That passage in Revelation 21 continues on to say, the dwelling of God is now with men. Hmm. It's the movement is God's movement down, not our movement up. Uh, so the long term is this earth renewed, this earth redeemed, yeah, not just cast aside. I mean, that would be my reading of that that revelation passage. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I can't remember which theologian used this terminology exactly, and I don't have an exact quote, but um, it could be either N.T. Wright or Dallas Willard because I was obsessed with them mm-hmm. for a season when I remember reading this. But it said something like there's going to be far more continuity mm, between yeah. our current situation and the eternal state yes. than we might expect. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that it could so, have been either of them. In actual fact, I heard N.T. Wright say the other day he's not read much of Dallas Willard and he suspects it because they say the same sort of things. And, and when you're writing about the same things, 
generally you read someone else writing about the same things and say, well, I wouldn't have said that quite like that. I would like to have said it like this. Yes. But he said, uh, hilariously, he, he was out at a conference and they gave him a Dallas Willard Award for kingdom, like service or whatever. <laughs> um, I think there would be kindred spirits. Th- oh, They're totally, very, yeah, very similar, similar temperaments. Yeah, very similar. Uh, and uh, I would argue that uh, N.T. Wright is much easier to understand. Yes. I think <laughs> Dallas Willard has this ability to say something really clearly and you still don't get but, it. But, but yeah, but both to the, both to the extreme of like they both for years while teaching all over the world and teaching at these incredible places um, attended pretty small local churches. Yeah. Like N.T. Wright goes to a church of maybe 30 or 40 people and you know nobody yeah. really knows who he is. Yeah. Which <laughs> is just wonderful. That's um, awesome. And again, I can't remember who he asked to come on the podcast the other day, but if N.T. Wright or... Oh, it was Tim Mackey, right? Was it Tim yeah, Mackey? Tim Mackey. Yeah, All right, well, shout out. N.T. Wright wants to come on the podcast. And Dallas can't. Dallas can't. Maybe John Orper could come. He's probably one of the uh, guys he that could, can quote that, Dallas yes, the most. But that continuity <laughs> that you're talking about was emphasized someone asked john altberg after dallas willard passed away yeah you know what do you think he thought when he got to heaven and and john altberg said knowing dallas like i did it probably took him a couple of days to figure it out because he just lived that present (laughs) life with god he didn't quite notice that he died yet he's like oh yeah something's different both because of how he lived and the continuity between this world and the next world that seems inherent in some of scripture wow so I think that like where we tried to go on uh, on Sunday was this idea that for this for this second part specifically, but also for us individually, if you're unsure about how God is for you, you're, you're probably going to be somewhat reticent to work, let him work in you. Um, yeah, you, you kind of like you, mm. you're going to resist, you're going to hold back because you're not quite convinced that God actually thinks very much of you at all is not very fond of you is has really been looking for an excuse to kind of ditch you. And as soon as you give him a chance, he's going to be like, well, that's it. Now you've had your last chance. Almost like a parent waiting for their kid to do something wrong. Cause they're so annoyed at the 20 times they've done it before. There's like yeah. the next time I'm really going to fly off the handle. And it's not yeah. really about that time. It's about the 20 times before. If that's your perspective of how God pair or God, God loves you and how God is a father, you're going to have a, difficult time trusting him to really work in you which always blows my mind like so the word gospel means good news Uh and so if your perspective of the gospel is like don't be bad otherwise you're going to get a really really intense spanking Uh for all of eternity (laughs) like okay is that really good news no there's a different more beautiful good news that's actually espoused by the scriptures, which is what you were talking about. I mean, the, 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 the challenge of, of, to me, of the gospel, whenever I share it, which is weekly in different ways, is, is there were people that thought Paul's message was sin more so God can be more good to you. <laughs> now, that wasn't what Paul was saying. But I don't know if what I say could ever be mistaken as that. So for Paul's language to be mistaken for that. Yeah. So you're talking specifically about Romans chapter yeah, yeah, six, which yeah. is a couple chapters yeah. prior to this. But but that like, that's yeah. like uh, he must have got pretty close to that to be accused of it. It wasn't a ridiculous accusation. You're like, so what we hear you saying is everything goes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's, like, <laughs> He's like, no, no, that's not well, quite what I'm saying. <laughs> but but again, <laughs> he, he got pretty close at times. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's pretty big grace. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know that we get awful close to that a lot of the time so 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 while Hmm. individually yes if we're not really sure god is for us it will affect whether we let him work in in us at all just as if we're not really sure god is for this world then that will certainly affect how we're able to serve him in this world yeah like if the if if the world is going to be just swept up in fire yeah. Why? Like, who cares about, yes. you know, taking some steps towards yeah. uh, caring for There's the earth? There's this brilliant movie from the late 70s, early 80s called Brewster's Millions. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't think so. So it's basically this, like, triple-A baseball player played by, um, oh, man, who's the character that plays him? One of the, Richard Pryor, like, stunning comedian. I'm, like, I'm the I worst, guess. man. Yeah, I don't was, know anybody. Yeah, sorry. I mean, if it's related to anything that's, yeah. like, trendy, cool, Related to pop culture, I'm an idiot. Uh, well, I mean, this is old, cool, but Richard Pryor, probably the funniest man on the planet at this time. Uh, and he plays this AAA baseball player who's 
uncle appears out of the wild west or has died out actually in the wild west and says i went away and earned millions of dollars of money i want to give it to you this is all on video you're going to inherit 300 million dollars but there's a condition i'm going to give you 30 million dollars and you have to spend it all in 30 days he said so what i'm trying to teach you to do is to hate money so when you get the 300 million dollars you're not just going to go blow it all like like by the time you're done in 30 days you're going to be so sick of spending money you're never going to want to spend any of the 300 million so so for the for this 30 days of the movie he has to go and blow 30 million dollars so he's just spending it on stupid stuff uh i mean like he buys one of those upside down airplane stamps and he mails it so it's now worthless um like he just yeah he's constantly trying to find creative ways to blow money the earth's resources are a similar thing if it's just like the earth will be destroyed and our job is to go after in 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 sort of maybe old term Mm. language go after souls you're just gonna just gonna blow all that 30 million just blow the resources like tear the earth apart to do what you have to do yep um if it's not that way and the earth is not supposed to be kind of like raped and pillaged i guess might be the expression but is supposed to be nurtured stewarded cared for your attitude towards it changes and and if it's the first the only ministries we value are the out there preaching ministries yeah um if it's the second well no we still can value those ministries and support those ministries but we're also going to value ministries that say no we're we're caring for the earth and wanting to be for its best yeah the first one suggests that we never even after jesus died recovered adam and eve's initial responsibility for the earth the second one says that the jesus story like the first one says that the 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 real scripture starts in genesis chapter three and finishes somewhere in the the letters of paul yeah the second one says no scripture starts in genesis chapter one and it finishes in revelation 22 the first one says that we were bad and jesus forgave us the first one says we were great we were made to be good we became warped and god is restoring to us that original responsibility right yep so so now like in the same way god said to adam and eve no you steward this world um we're now we now are recovering that responsibility and or, or really standing up to the responsibility we were given yeah yeah and it seems like over and over and over again the more i study both the scriptures and just science and all these sorts of things what you start to learn is like it does take like these issues are super complex i did a little bit of a dive into the subject of ecology because we did a seminar on um you know creation care or caring for the earth here at south several months ago that based upon a a paper that i wrote and Mm -hmm. i teamed up with uh, a buddy of mine, John, who is really good green thumb and understands mm-hmm. a lot more than I do in that front. But the se- the second you say, okay, I'm going to try my best to start figuring this stuff out and caring for the earth. Oh man, it is a difficult, complicated thing. Cause you're, it's not as simple to say, Oh, get solar panels. Mm-hmm. Cause then you're like, wait, and then there's a whole article about how solar panels are not good for the earth. And you're like, ah, Darn shoot, it, I already have it. solar panels. I know, what and you're I like, and now? then another article says, no, they are good for the earth. And you're like, ah, oh, which one is it? And Next it's you like, just want to go play pickleball instead. And I just want to go play pickleball. <laughs> but the point is, it becomes extremely co- complicated. And so, but one of the challenges and one of the things I've noticed about the way of Jesus is it's not easy. Mm-hmm. The way of Jesus yeah. is not an invitation to the easy um life it's an invitation to the easy yoke mm-hmm. which is like a a labor a challenge a uh a, that is effortless in the sense that it's not burdensome on the soul mm-hmm. but it might take a lot of sweat and tears to like assemble yeah so it takes a lot more work to be creative enough to nurture the earth and humanity at the same time and everyone in but the non-jesus way is to say What's the easiest route? What's the least passive mm-hmm. resistance? And take that one. Yeah. For the for and then who who does it benefit? Well, first is me, and then mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me and my yeah. lo, my immediate family. Mm-hmm. If they benefit, check check. That's all the mental and yeah. emotional energy I have to think about. 
And the way of Jesus, it says, sorry, you don't get that out. You have to start to think beyond just you. Mm -hmm. In fact, prioritize the other and then prioritize the earth also. And you have to sit slow way down. And it's almost like you need to cry out to the spirit and say, God, give us wisdom. Spirit, help me figure out how to make these decisions. And it just goes on and on and on. And yes, it's a harder way, but if it's done well, the earth has more than enough resources to care for the and it, f- for and it, humanity. Yeah. I'm going to make fun of myself a little bit for a moment. Uh, so if you're watching, I'm wearing a pair of tennis shoes at the moment. They're, they're made by, in my language, Adidas for you guys. Adidas. How do you say that? I like Adidas. A- Adidas. Yeah, they were founded by a guy called Mr. Adidasler. So Adidas sounds correct. But, yeah. Yeah. Let's not split hairs. So they're, they're, they're called Adidas Parlays. They're made with Adidas and a company called Parlay the Oceans. Um, and so their goal is to use materials like plastics that have become trapped in the ocean to pull them out and um, and use them to make tennis shoes. Um, the soles are made from like old car tires. So they're like, you know, huh. grabbed from like rubber from car tires. And yeah. So like it can be really easy to make that your token gesture towards planetary care. Yeah. To be like, oh, well, this company probably got some plastics from somewhere and they probably got some old tires from somewhere and not really pursue any of the questions around. Did they do that? Well, did they do that ethically? Like, where does the money go? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Similar example might be if you've bought a Tesla. It can be pretty easy to say like, well, I bought a Tesla um, because it's electric and that's good for the environment, right? Without any questions about like, well, a, a lithium battery is good for the environment. Is the electric electricity you're sourcing, is that good for the environment? All totally. Things? Like it takes more work than that. It can really just turn, it can be really easy to turn any of those thoughts into just an excuse for consumerism. Um, here we go. Here's my token dollars towards it. Um, yeah. Which, I, which ironically, full circle, goes back to our first questions about missions. Mm. It's the same thing that like philanthropic vacation where you make yourself feel good. And I check, I built someone for something for someone and I'm doing good in the world and you leave feeling good about yourself or you buy a product that you barely research and Mm. you're like, I'm being good for the earth. It takes way more time and effort to think really intentionally about the relationships you form on the mission field and the complexities of how that product yeah. was actually formed. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot more work. And and yeah, and and once you get involved, if you get involved in mission, you know that there's um, times where it can feel like tourism, and times where it can be deeply inconvenient. <laughs> totally, but that's a good thing. Um, yeah. So I love that we brought it full circle back to mission, not full circle back to pickleball. And if you're watching later online, you can listen in now on our early pickleball conversation. If you, if you missed the pickleball part, to the back of then I don't know how because it was the first 11 minutes of our conversation. No, no, but that's going to be the last 11 minutes, right? You're going to move it. So, con- am I going to move it? I thought you said you were going to move it. I don't think I'm going to. You don't think so? Okay, there we go. So you've heard it. If you got this far, wow. Yeah, I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> Oh, wait, we just talked about putting in the effort. Oh, shoot. Do, do I? You know what? Do you, maybe we should change the name again to Lazy Theology Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say beyond I, that. Yeah. I've uh, got a sermon to write for this week. Romans chapter 8 this week, verses 26 through 39. One of the most majestic texts in all of the scriptures. The source. Yes. So, um, yeah, reminder, September 11th, we're going to have the live stream um, live in person with all of you if you're able to come. Yeah. Uh, you can buy a cup of coffee and join us. And hit pickleballs at us. Or and something. something. Throw tomatoes. <laughs> the, jo- the joke we, Alex and I said, this could fail horribly. There could be like two people there. But this podcast could handle it. Yep, exactly. If there's, it, we, we already have this deep doubt that any of you really care. Um, somehow, some of you... Uh, watch this or listen to this podcast and we're shocked and so if you don't show up we won't be shocked (laughs) so uh thanks for tuning in do the like subscribe thing if you have questions about creation care or um how do we do that well and all that sort of thing feel free to send those in oh one other thing i doubt you're still listening 
But one other thing is we are going to be shifting how we receive questions in the months to come. It's not ready yet, but I built a small little web page for you to have a form to fill it out so that it's easier to remember than the phone number. I It'll be it. redcouchtheology.com. Mm -hmm. So that's coming in the next few months. Um, we'll let you know when that's out. We will catch you huh. next time. See you guys. And and make up something while I find the end button. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.